Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we are going to be joined by author Jeffrey Eugenides, a Detroit native and Pulitzer Prize winner for his novel, Middlesex. Uh, His other big novel, The Virgin Suicides, turns 25 this year. He is coming back to Detroit uh, this week to talk about his work and that novel as part of that 25th anniversary. And he will join us later in the show to talk about all of those things. We'll talk about uh, those books. We'll talk about the essays that uh, Mr. Eugenides has written. And we will talk about the influence of Detroit over his work uh, because, as I said, he is as a Detroit native, uh, spent a lot of time here in the metro region. You're going to want to stay tuned to that. It'll get started at about half past the hour. Up front, though, Michigan has been a solidly blue state, at least for the purposes of national elections, from 1988 until 2016, when it suddenly flipped and helped Donald Trump win the White House. Two years later, though, it looks like Democrats may have big wins in the state during the midterm elections, capturing most of the statewide races and maybe flipping some congressional seats, as well as control of at least one house of the legislature. So what does that make us? Does that make us a blue state? Does that make us a red state? Does that make us a mixture of those colors? What is our political identity right now as we head into the midterm elections in just a few weeks? That's where we want to start the conversation today. And here to talk about Michigan's political identity is Shana Roth. She is a state capital correspondent with the Michigan Public Radio Network, and she has been examining Michigan's political identity heading into the November election. Shana, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Also with us is T.J. Buholtz. He is the founder and president at Vanguard Public Affairs, a political PR firm in Lansing. T.J., welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Uh, Shane, let's start with you. Uh, what did you find as you sort of sought to sort through this idea of what our political identity looks like just two years after a kind of uh, reset where uh, Michigan went red in a presidential election for the first time in nearly 30 years. So what are we? Well, what I found is that, you know, right now, I think it's pretty much everybody agrees that Michigan is a purple state. We are a state that, you know, has been pretty staunchly Republican uh, for quite a while as far as state government goes. And then for for you know many years, we were sending the president, uh, Democratic presidents to the White House. We were also, we've had Democratic uh, U.S. senators for quite some time. Uh, due to uh, our the way our lines are drawn, however, our uh Congress, the, the the people we send to the U.S. Congress have mostly been Republicans. So we've kind of had this weird mix. And what was interesting was looking back on that 2016 election, uh, you know, going through a bunch of different news clips about Michigan, uh, you know, seeing people before the election being like, well, I don't know why Trump is in Michigan. It's a very clearly a part of the blue wall. <laughs> and then seeing how Michigan went for uh, President Trump and seeing, you know, that narrative very quickly changed. And now all of a sudden Michigan was nationally recognized as being very much a swing state, where I think if you look at what was going on statewide, that swing, that shift would have been a bit more noticeable to people. And, you know, that that our 
sort of position as being a part of this blue wall wasn't necessarily very secure. It was mm-hmm. more like a fence of sorts. <laughs> um, so what we are now, what we're seeing now is that Michigan is this purple state and we have this, uh, you know, conglomeration of people who will sometimes vote Democratic, particularly uh, on the presidential level, those Obama voters, but they will also vote Republican in a lot of those statewide election, but they're willing to swing. And so this election is going to be very crucial to see what those sort of independent-ish purple voters are going to do. Are they going to be influenced a lot by what's going on in the White House and, you know, either vote a lot Republican or a lot Democratic? And, you know, kind of where is Michigan going to be seen going forward? Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of that's going to be decided in in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that also plays into this, I think, uh, doesn't always get the proper kind of attention is is turnout. Uh, mm-hmm. Blue, red, purple, uh, it really does matter who shows up. And it seems that in Michigan, at least, when Democrats show up uh, in the numbers that uh, that people want them to show up in on, on that side of the political spectrum, they, they win. Uh, and and it's, it, it's a pretty consistent trend. Uh, in 2016, you had a lot of Democrats stay home, uh, and and that helped Donald Trump win the state. How does that play into this question of the midterms and uh, of the political identity of the state? Well, I'm going to throw that one uh, throw that one over to TJ. Okay, and see what he has to say about that. <laughs> TJ, go ahead, because I don't want to take up all the air. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you know, thanks. Uh, you know, I think historically. Um, you know, the psychology of the Michigan voters is very interesting. Uh, you, you look you look back at primary elections, and 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 what I what I like to say is that that uh, it's a it's more visceral decision for for Michigan voters, and that and that Michigan voter is will listen to your story. They will generally listen to a political pitch from a candidate. Um, they 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 are influenceable on the doors uh, when you when you go door to door when you when you knock for them. That's why you know walk plans and door knocking is so critical, especially in local elections here in Michigan. Um, I think many voters don't make decisions until late, especially those that enjoy voting. Um, you know, at the ballot box. You know, we are seeing. You know, historically uh, higher uh, absentee voter uh, turnout this year. That generally is 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 better for um, uh, for Democrats, but you know, I think when you look at um, you look at politicians in Michigan that uh, historically have, have boasted for someplace being a, a blue wall or a red wall, mm-hmm. you know, John Engler, you know, in the in the uh, you know in the presidential primary, saying, you know, uh, Governor Engler saying, you know, that this was going to be a firewall for for George Bush, mm-hmm. and I think Michigan voters said, oh, really, and voted for John McCain. <laughs> you know, uh, the the same was the same is true, I think, for um, you know for uh, for Hillary Clinton here, where where I think people were saying that that, that was going to be a firewall, and it was quite the opposite. Yeah. Um, again, that, that's what I like best about Michigan politics, I think, is that Michigan voters listen to your story. And that's why, you know, I think that they can be influenced by you know, advertising and and, uh, and, 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 and and pitches to them. Uh, and they make their minds up late. And that's, and that's why I think Michigan is always in the mix, both nationally and at, at the state level, too. Yeah. Uh, is there something different about right now in Michigan, TJ? Is there something odd about where we sort of sit, given what happened in 2016, given the relationship with the president and uh, the, the questions that voters will face when they go to the, to the ballot box on, on November 6th? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think there there is something happening, and I, I look at it where I say, you know, we play, you know, basically for the forty percent in the middle. Thirty percent of Michigan voters will vote, you know, red every year regardless. Thirty percent of voters will will vote blue regardless of who the candidate is. But it's that middle forty percent that is influenceable. And I think you saw the majority of those independent voters, sort of in the middle, you know, vote for Donald Trump here. Surprisingly. Um, uh, and and I think now many of those voters are regretting that decision, and I think are going to going to going to make up for it in the midterms here in a couple of weeks. I also, when you look geographically at Michigan, you know, the if you look, at, you know, sort of you look at it. Uh, I, I like to say uh, the vi- dividing line in Michigan is M46 <laughs> and M57. Those highways that yeah. cut east to west, and everyone north of that sort of sort of um, sort of space by and large votes red mm-hmm. and and the blue voters are more south of that so um you know when you look at you know results of you know uh, congressional races in the up uh as an example you know that that's a very red area but i think democrats are playing there because again i don't think there's any place in michigan on uh, the upper peninsula where where a voter will listen to your story more hmm. than than a up voter yeah and we're also kind of seeing in those different areas you know the lines were drawn uh, 10 years ago. And in the meantime, we've been seeing the demographics really start to change and shift in different counties. We're seeing more, uh, you know, educated people moving into different counties. And, and, you know, the people are kind of moving around, which is why on a statewide level, this election is going to be very interesting because how the lines were drawn, you know, a lot of them were just, you know, very narrowly Republican. So that way they could get the most districts possible. Mm-hmm. But those are in play because in the 10 years since those lines were drawn, some of those demographics have shifted and so you're getting more of those purple voters who in this election might be more willing to vote Democratic and Republicans might lose those districts. Yeah. You know, and that's a very shrewd observation, I think, because when you look at, um, you know, as we see boomers retire and mm-hmm. boomers want to retire up north, mm-hmm. they've they've changed a bit in terms of how they how they think about voting. You know, they, you know, you think you've had many boomers who have voted blue for years and you know, lived in Macomb or Oakland counties. You know, worked in the auto industry. You know, wanted to make sure that there were you know that that, that Democrats had uh, you know had an advantage in elections. But as they've changed and they've become a little more conservative and they moved up north and they've talked about you know you know making sure that their taxes are lower they've they've trended I think uh, northern Michigan as in terms of retiree population more red now that and again I'd hate to Stephen say to you that you know that 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 there is a there there are rules in Michigan there really aren't I mean it, <laughs> it, so much is dependent upon sort of the national landscape and yeah. what's going on mm-hmm. I think that this issue that that's that's happening right now you know with the caravan in Central America heading mm-hmm. toward um, the United States is going to influence the, the electoral landscape here mm. in the midterms um, far more than people think uh, in mm. the next couple of weeks. I mean, so Michigan's one of those states that you have to really watch and see what's going to happen in the next few weeks. Mm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Shana Roth, a state capital correspondent with the Michigan Public Radio Network. Also with us is TJ Buholtz. He is the founder and president at Vanguard Public Affairs, a political PR firm in Lansing. We are talking about Michigan's political identity in 2018. Is this a blue state? Is this uh, a purplish state? Is this becoming a red state? Think of what happened in 2016. Uh, For the first time since 1988, Michigan voters uh, casting most of their ballots for the Republican nominee for president, helping Donald Trump win the White House. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, uh, tell us what you think 
Michigan is politically. Do you think we're a blue state, a red state, or a purple state? Do you think that matters as much as it used to? Uh, what about the volatility that we see among the electorate uh, right now? Does that make us uh, all kinds of different colors, uh, depending on the situation? And what are you hoping to see in the 2018 midterm elections out of Michigan? Do you want to see us go toward the blue wave that everybody is sort of talking about and maybe anticipating? Or do you think uh, we ought to continue down the road of electing more Republicans than, than Democrats? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Uh, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Tell us what you think Michigan's political identity is uh, right now. Before we get to the phones, Shana and, and TJ, I want to ask you about this blue wave uh, that mm. uh, people are still talking about, uh, but I feel like they're talking about it a little more tentatively than they were maybe uh, a couple months ago. Is this, is it, if, it, if that happens here uh, in, in a few weeks, uh, does that change the identity of the state what does that say about who we are uh, politically right now? Uh, TJ, I'll start with you. Well, I, you know, what's, what's interesting, you know, uh, as, as someone who's been watching this blue wave very closely is, is you can't take your election results for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have politicians at every level, you know, from Debbie Stabenow on down, when they're asked this question about, you know, are we headed for a big blue wave? <coughs> they quickly pivot into... Um, you know the work that needs to be done, mm-hmm. the the sort of the the sort of uh, the turnout we need to have to have make a blue wave happen. Um, you know when we look at um, I think historically how we did in the primaries, we saw much higher um, voter turnout than I think anyone expected, uh, and there, I think Democrats are hoping that that holds uh, through the general election, but. You know, the dynamics are always different between a primary and a general election, and an awful lot of money is being spent here on television and on radio and on digital advertising to, to, to sort of knock that blue wave down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I also think that there's another wave that's happening really across this country that we, we, we've been talking as well, and that's a pink wave. Um, many, you know, you have more women running for office than ever before. Mm-hmm. That's influencing, I think, independent voters, Democratic voters. Uh, you know, many races have... have um, have trended toward women. Um, you know, the Democrats decided this year to embrace that and, and have an all-female, mostly, uh, you know, in the, in the major slots, with the exception of Garland Gilchrist, uh, lieutenant governor, uh, you know, a female. And I think that that's a that's a that's Democrats. I think reading the terrain a little bit mm. and um, and anticipating, you know, the women coming out and, and, and voting. And that's because you know I think that many women in this country have felt disenfranchised by Donald Trump in 2016 and. and and are going to um, pay, make him pay at the ballot box this year. And I would echo that. I mean, I really think that it's not so much a blue wave so much as it is a women wave that's going to translate better for Democrats mm. because mm-hmm. they have more of those uh, female candidates out there. But I think at the end of the day, what you're going to see more of is, you know, women are the ones that are taking those different spots, either Republican or Democrat. And if it is, if you know, if that does translate into Democrats taking the governor's office and, you know, one of the branches of the state legislature, uh, it's very iffy if they can possibly take both. Sure. Uh, but I think that that will signal a potential shift. It would not necessarily 
say that, you know, Michigan is now a blue state by any means. Hmm. Um, you know, the way the lines are currently drawn, it is set up that it is, you know, potentially could go in their favor just by virtue of those lines on some level. Uh, but what will be very interesting will be, you know, if the redistricting proposal passes, if we do change how our state draws its lines, how is that going to impact the state? And I think what you're going to end up seeing is a lot more competitive uh, seats, particularly at the state level. And you're going to see Michigan kind of really come into its own as very much a purple state. And if I could add just one more yeah, thing to that is when you look at um, nationally, all the women that are running for Congress, uh, uh, which is it's a it's sort of historic. Um, but if let's do the scenario that all the women who were running for Congress won. Uh, every single woman, whether they be Republican or Democrat, w- w- were ushered into office mm-hmm. this cycle. Mm-hmm. Women would still be in the minority in Congress. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of a lot of I think especially very conservative people say, well, women are taking over and and it's gonna <laughs> it's and and they're gonna you know run the show. It, it, that's not how it is. We still have more work to do to make Congress look as our population does. You know, yeah. with fifty two percent of our population in this country are women, yeah. um, and even if if every single woman and it won't happen but if every single woman won their race they'd still be in the minority in congress yeah that's a that's a really interesting statistic i'm not sure i've heard anyone put it in those terms before it really does give uh, some context to this this narrative about the pink wave the blue wave those those kinds of things uh, uh, again uh, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019 to join the conversation tell us what you think is michigan's political identity right now as we are just a few weeks away from the 2018 midterm elections. Let's start with uh, Joanne in Plymouth. Joanne, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, hi. How are you? Good. How are um, you? It's always interesting to hear this stuff, but uh, the other day, or last weekend, I was um, kind of in mid-Michigan on the west side, um, not just in Pentwater, but on the west side of the state, and uh, between there, Ludington and all that, and also inland over to like 31 and 131, and I saw a lot of Democratic signs on lawns. Hmm. Um, Gretchen Whitmer and Dana Nessel and Debbie Stabenow. And I was like, um, very happy to see that. And I was really quite surprised to see all those signs. So uh, that gives me some hope for what's going on. Wow. Uh, Joanne, I appreciate the call and the and the info. I have to say, I have not been uh, to the west side of the state uh, um, in, in a while, and so I haven't seen those signs. I have noticed, uh, you know, the number of signs around here in Southeast Michigan, uh, but. But again, uh, you know, it's always a little dangerous, I think, to to make grand conclusions about uh, about lawn signs and and where we see them. It's not, it's not always the most accurate way to predict things. But uh, Shana and TJ, uh, give us some some idea of what you're seeing in terms of uh, people's lawn front support for candidates. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I'm I'm seeing a mix. I was in Grand Rapids the other day, which you know is kind of known as being something of a more uh, conservative area. But sure. I was seeing you know a pretty good mix of uh, Democratic and Republican signs. Uh, in some cases, they were neighbors, um, which I'm sure always makes for interesting conversations at the mailboxes. Um, but you know, it's it's really true that you really can't get a good gauge of what's going to happen just based on um, the signs. But what it does indicate is enthusiasm. 
them. You know, you have to have some sort of a proactive uh, feeling about the election in order to order to put those signs out. And I am seeing quite a few, you know, even in the Lansing area, when I'm in Grand Rapids, I'm seeing quite a few. So that is really kind of signaling that people are excited about this election. I mean, mm -hmm. we are expecting a record turnout um, for a for a midterm year. Um, you know, and that's really being shown by how many absentee ballots have been requested. Uh, so I think those signs that while they're not going to necessarily predict who's going to win, they are signaling that, you know, what we're seeing kind of, you know, part of the, the overall narrative of excitement about this race, they are an indication of that. Hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you look at uh, signs, and you know, I'm one of those political consultants who says that, you know, signs don't vote. Um, <laughs> but, but, but science can influence. And, and I think Shane is absolutely right. I mean, that, that, that uh, it, it is indicative generally of, of enthusiasm. Uh, you know, um, when, we, when we look at signs, especially, um, signs are more influenceable uh, at the local level. Mm -hmm. When you look at school board races, we yeah. look at city commission. Um, but, you know, in, in even in more conservative areas now, and I appreciate the caller's uh, input, um, you know, we, we, we are seeing, you know, more trend for signs, uh, you know, up north, um, you know, in the west side, certainly the UP, we're seeing seeing more Democratic signs. And I think that that's just a just a, a bubbling that Democrats are excited to vote this year. And, yeah. I, and I think that that is a that they're they want to send uh, Democrats in this state want to send Donald Trump a message. Which is, you know, that that, that they're here and that they don't necessarily agree with everything that he's he's uh, he's espousing from Washington, and also that they're, you know, again, I said this earlier, but you know, that they're regretting. I think that the the independents in this state are regretting their their Trump vote. Mm -hmm. um, that that being said, you know, Republicans in this state, you know, Bill Schuette, John James, they are doubling down on their support of Donald Trump. And when you look at Donald Trump numbers nationally, I mean, he is still for as vis as divisive as he's been. Um, he's still trending in the 40s. I mean, 40, 43, 44 percent of Americans believe, uh, you know, he is uh, uh, he's he's doing a good job. And and I think that that in Republican sort of stronghold areas, Donald Trump is still a, a major factor. When you look at as an example, the 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 race uh, for Senate in Texas right now, where mm -hmm. you look at uh, Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke, uh, Donald Trump is making a big difference for Ted Cruz there. And I, I and I think that you may see. Uh, you know, uh, Lara Trump is coming in here for Bill Schuette this week. I think you may see more more stops here in the last few weeks to see if they can that that can be a factor. Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones uh, to talk about Michigan's political identity. Uh, let's get to Ed in Detroit. Ed, welcome to Detroit today. Good conversation this morning. Thanks. I'm old enough to remember the uh, Supreme Court uh, reapportionment decisions in the early 60s, one-person, one-vote decisions. Uh, they shifted, at least in Michigan, um, but, but a lot more urban people in the legislature. We, we stopped counting all sorts of factors other than people. In the intervening decades, the balance of power in the legislature seemed to shift it to suburbia, and at least on the Republican side, a lot of people from rural Michigan. Mm -hmm. If Proposal 2 is adopted, and, and, and assuming these commissioners follow the model that they followed in California of not looking at partisan questions in apportionment, do your guests see any kind of rebalancing 
of who gets into the legislature, what areas of the state will will see benefits, what areas of the state will experience um, a less influence in the legislature right. as a consequence of that. Ed, that's a really great question. I'm glad you called and asked. If, if we change the way we draw the lines, will that change the way that Michigan uh, sort of looks and from its identity will it make us blue bluer or redder more purple uh, tj uh, i'll put that question to you well i mean in in in, in historically the, the the party in power draws the lines um you know to benefit them i mean i i, I don't think that we should be necessarily shocked and shaken by that i mean that's that that's a spoil of war when you look at redistricting uh, I do think, though, that you know, with proposal two on the ballot, and and I, I think it's a very innovative proposal, um, and I think that you you will see um, uh, a shift fundamentally uh, how we handle our politics here in Michigan. Do I believe that it means that we'll have you know democratic control for decades? I don't think so. Um, be, again, because of the, some of the factors we're talking about this morning, um, you know, you can draw the lines any number of ways here in Michigan, but you don't change the psychology of the voter necessarily. Sure. Uh, and and uh, for for us here, we're always going to have this large independent swath of voters who will vote based on their pocketbooks. They will vote based on sort of landscape issues, what's going on in their lives personally, what's happening in the country at the national level, who's in control of uh, various offices throughout the state. Um, I don't want to say Michigan voter is fickle, but a Michigan voter, I think, takes multiple factors into into account. I think that Michigan voters are smarter than than sort of voters around the country, and they and and they'll vote with trends. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen um, with with. Uh, uh, with redistricting moving forward. Uh, I'm most interested in the idea in Voters Not Politicians and Prop 2 that, that, the, that the process is going to be, by and large, governed by um, random people. Like people who just <laughs> people that are chosen at, at random and agree to accept the task. Yeah. It is a, it is a, a, a very interesting um, process, and I think I'm I'm just curious as to how that's going to work moving forward. Okay, Shana Roth, state capital correspondent for Michigan Public Radio Network. Thank you for being here on Detroit today. Always a pleasure. And T.J. Buholtz, founder and president at Vanguard Public Affairs. Thank you for being with us as well. Thanks, Steve. Up next, we're going to talk with author Jeffrey Eugenides, whose novel, The Virgin Suicides, turns 25 this year. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of the show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We will be right back with more Detroit Today. Detroit Today.